So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 22 is where we're going to go today. So for a couple of years, we've been just going through the book of Matthew, a passage at a time. And this is uh, 45th message in the book of Matthew we've done. Uh, just letting it speak to us, just letting us uh, hear what Jesus said. And so uh, we're going to go back into that here for the next couple of weeks. Matthew chapter 22. Now, how many of you know it's important to obey laws? Wow, that's, that's kind of scary. <laughs> Hopefully more of you understand that it's important to obey laws. Because laws are there for what? protection right they're there for re most laws are there for a reason they're there to protect us uh, they're there to keep us from doing things well there's a story about uh, a lady whose dishwasher broke and so she called the repairman and she said i've got to be at work when you come but i'll leave a key under the mat and she said just come in fix the dishwasher leave the bill and i'll send you a check for it and then uh she said now just so you know, I have a huge bulldog. His name's Spike. He won't bother you. He'll just lay there and watch. Just don't bother him, and he'll be okay. But then she said, whatever you do, don't talk to my parrot. And then she left a note on the counter as a guy came in, had huge letters that said, do not talk to the parrot. And so sure enough, the guy's working on the dishwasher, and the dog just lays there and watches him, doesn't move, just kind of stares at him the whole time, but doesn't move. But the parrot drove him crazy. He was yelling at him. He was using all kinds of terrible language, called him names, cussed at him. And so finally the guy couldn't take it anymore. He said, would you shut up, you stupid, ugly bird? And you know what the parrot said? Get him, Spike. <laughs> and then the bulldog did. So we understand that rules are there for a reason. And so in Matthew 22, and the passages leading up to this, you know, the religious leaders didn't like Jesus. And they had been trying to trap him in his words. They were trying to uh, catch him off guard. And so in the passage right before this, uh, the Sadducees, who are one group of the religious leaders, asked him a question, and Jesus just totally silenced them. He gave an answer that just shut them up. They couldn't say anything else. So then we see this in our passage today. The other group, the Pharisees, the other religious leaders, we're trying to ask him a question. Now, their question was actually a little bit sincere and a little bit not. So in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. So, you know, they had to try to do something. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the what? The greatest commandment or the first commandment. And then he said this, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he says this, and this is what's so interesting. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus said, you want to know the greatest one? I'll give you two. <laughs> And he said, everything hangs on these two commandments. So, Lord, we pray today, as we look at your word, that you would speak to us. 
Lord, we have so many laws in this land that we live in, and I know sometimes it gets really tiring trying to keep them all, but Lord, help us to understand the reason behind what you tell us. Help us to really love you with everything we have today, and I pray you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we see here that he asks a question, right? And if you look in Mark's version of this story, Jesus actually tells the guy, you're really not far from the kingdom. So I think the guy really did want to know, but here's the thing. The question came from a really important person. The question came from an important person. It wasn't just some yahoo on the side of the road. This was someone who had, and there's nothing wrong with yahoos, don't thank me there, but uh, this guy really had some status. He was a really important person. Uh, they called him a teacher of the law. So this meant that this guy was, I didn't really realize this, he was a theologian. He was someone who knew a lot about the Bible. Uh, about the word, about the Old Testament. But in Israelite society, the law of God and the law of man were what? They were together, right? The Bible was your spiritual law, but it was also your social law. And so if you were someone who was a teacher of the law, you were really schooled in what it meant to follow God, but you were also a legal expert. Imagine that, your preacher being your lawyer. That'd be like a nightmare, wouldn't it? Because uh, everybody's afraid of lawyers, and a lot of people are afraid of preachers, so it's like all your fear rolled into one, right? Um, so he was a theologian, but he was also a legal expert. So that meant that this guy was really skilled. He really knew his stuff. All right, so this guy was really important. So it wasn't like Jesus was just answering someone. Jesus was answering a very important person. So I don't know if any of you ever went to college, but did you ever have those people who always tried to stump your professor? Anybody? I don't know. Maybe it's just a Bible college thing. Uh, but people love to ask the professor questions to try to get them something they couldn't answer. And I remember we had one professor. <laughs> uh, he was a really funny guy, but uh, he loved it when students asked him questions because he would just destroy these kids. Like, oh, yeah, you want to talk about that? And he would just, I mean, just destroy them. They would leave class and they had their head held down, you know. And that's kind of what this was. This was like an expert asking an expert, and Jesus was really answered well. So he was a really important person. But the question was also slightly loaded. It was also just a little bit jaded here, right? So he was trying to do what? They were trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus knew it because they were saying, okay, so you're going to say one commandment is more important than the others, right? And so it made it a little bit tricky. And, and Jesus understood that. He understood that some parts of the law were evidently a little more important than the others. But no matter how he answered this, they were going to try to do what? Trap him, right? Do your kids ever play one parent off the other? Well, mom said I could do this. And dad said I could do this, right? It's a little bit kind of what was going on here. They were trying to do this. And Jesus was used to this. They were always trying to trip him up. And so here's the thing, guys. The, the religious leaders understood that Jesus had a lot of knowledge, but they couldn't accept it. They couldn't allow it into their hearts. And guys, there's so many of us that understand God's word, right? But we have a hard time doing what? Living it out. A lot of us understand God's word is right, but we have a hard time giving up our own ideas. And this is where the religious leaders were. They understood what Jesus was telling them, but they didn't want to give up their own ideas. They didn't want to give up their own way of life. They knew Jesus was right. They just couldn't accept it. They didn't want to accept it. And the question brought an unexpected answer. What Jesus is telling them is, hey, 
you're supposed to love God with all your heart. They understood that, but he also said you have to love your neighbors. And this is where they're having a hard time because these guys are important people. They didn't have time to worry about their neighbor. They didn't have time to worry about those who didn't have anything. They had knowledge and they had power, but they couldn't accept Jesus's authority. So let's dig into this. What is the command? What does Jesus tell them? Well, the first thing he said is you're supposed to love the Lord with what? Every facet of our lives. We're supposed to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, right? But Jesus kind of pairs it down into three. So now we understand in our world, there are people who believe we're dichotomous. Some people believe we're trichotomous. They believe that there's two or three parts to our person, right? Well, I can love God with my mind, but not with my soul or my heart. You know, they think we have all these different parts. Well, in the ancient world, when Jesus was answering, they thought everything was interrelated, right? They understood that. So what is Jesus saying here? We're supposed to love God with what? Everything. We're supposed to love God with everything that we are and everything that we have. So what does that mean for us nowadays, guys? How do I love God with every part of me? What does that look like? It means I have to love him with my mind. I have to love him with my finances. I have to love him with my job. I have to love him with my family. I have to love him with my hobbies. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means I have to surrender. It means that we have to surrender every part of ourselves. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, the first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What does it mean to love God with our mind? It means we have to be careful what we think about. But does that mean if I'm a Christian, I just have to be dumb? No. Does it mean if I'm a Christian, I have to be uneducated? No. It just means I have to love him with that. I have to allow him to every part of my life. And so the Israelites understood this. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, they call it the Shema. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your strength. The Israelites said this all the time. They got that. It's kind of the, the Sunday school answer, right? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's answered everything. So Jesus, they understood this. And so here's the thing, we can't compartmentalize our lives, is what Jesus is trying to tell us. I can't say, okay, God, you can have my Sundays, but I'm going to take the rest of the week as mine. That doesn't work. I know when I was a teenager, uh, when I, I gave my heart to the Lord, I started going to church, and I felt like God told me, I want you to be a pastor. And I said, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. And I fought, man, I, because I had a plan. I wanted money. And I knew preachers didn't make that much money, right? And so I, I was like, okay, God, I'll do this. I'll, I'll do my thing during the week, and then I'll serve you on Sundays, right? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do during the week, but then, you know, on Sunday I'll teach kids church, right? It didn't work. He said, I want what? Everything. I want every part of your life. And that's what Jesus is telling the Pharisees here. We have to love God with every part of our existence, with our heart, with our strength, with our minds. That means we can't compartmentalize the gospel. We have to love him with everything that we are. And then we're supposed to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. So there was a, an artist 
he was doing some paintings, and he had some of his work in a gallery. And so he came up and he says, well, has there been any interest in my painting? Does anyone want to buy my paintings? And the gallery owner said, well, actually I had a guy come in and ask that he was looking at your stuff, and he asked if it would go up in value after you died. And I told him, well, yeah, it would. And so he bought all of them. Like I said, well, that's great. And he said, yeah, but the bad thing is he's your doctor. <laughs> so he might have known something. I'll let that sink in for a minute. <clears throat> but so Jesus says, yeah, you have to love your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and your strength, everything you are. Okay, we get that. But then he said, if you really want to do it, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? I have to be willing to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And some of you say, well, I don't like myself that much. That's okay. <laughs> we have to love our neighbor like we're supposed to like ourselves, right? So what does this mean? Well, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells a parable called the Good Samaritan. We under, many of us have heard this. And so the guy was saying, well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus tells the story of a guy who was traveling, and he gets beat up by bandits and left for dead. And a priest goes by, and he won't help him because he doesn't want to become unclean. A Levite, who's a temple helper, kind of associate pastor, goes by, and he doesn't want to help him because he doesn't want to become unclean. And then a Samaritan comes by and helps him and takes care of him, feeds him, puts him up in a hotel until he's better. They're like, oh, that's cool. But a Samaritan is someone who the Jewish people didn't like. So Jesus was saying, you guys won't help people, but those who don't know me will. You're supposed to love me like your neighbor. So basically, Jesus is saying, you need to love people the way you love yourself. And so who is your neighbor? That's the big question. Is our neighbor just a person who lives next door to us? No. Our neighbor is anyone who needs our assistance. So that means anybody who needs help is our neighbor, and we're supposed to love them like what? We love ourselves. Jesus says if you really want to love God, you are supposed to love other people. And guys, this can be what? hard right there are some people i just really don't like it's hard to love them isn't it there are people that live close to us that we really don't like there might be people in your house that you don't like there may be people in your house that don't like you right I, it just happens but we're supposed to love everyone like we love ourselves we're supposed to take care of others and look out for others we see this all throughout scripture paul says that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens he says we're supposed to forgive others. He says we're supposed to look out for the needs of others. Jesus says we're supposed to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. So here's the big idea of this whole passage. These two acts fulfill the requirements of the law. If you can do these two things, you're going to love Jesus with all your being. If you love God with all your everything, and if you love your neighbor like you love yourself, he says you're going to love people the right way. And so this, Jesus says this, this funny little line here at the end of the story. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two things. What does that mean? Jesus says these two things cannot exist without the other. You can't love God with all your heart if you don't what? Love your neighbor. You can't really love your neighbor unless you love God, right? He says you can't do one without the other. It says these two things cannot exist without the other. One uh, commentator says nothing in Scripture can be truly obeyed unless these two are first done. 
So guys, a lot of us are really good at loving God. <laughs> but we're not really good at loving our neighbor, are we? How easy is it just to pass by someone that needs help? It's pretty easy. How easy is it to look the other way when someone's having marriage troubles? How easy is it to not like that coworker that sits next to us that really irritates us? And so Jesus says, if you really want to do this right, if you really want to live this Christian life correctly, you have to love God and you have to love other people. You can't do one without the other completely. And so we live in a society today where this is more needed than ever. It seems like every election cycle gets a little bit nastier, doesn't it? It's amazing. Uh, I was looking at a Facebook marketplace. A guy was selling a, a flag for one political candidate. And you wouldn't believe the stuff that was coming on there. People are like, oh, I want to burn that. I want to, you know, I mean, it's just terrible. We, it's like civ civility, that's a hard word to say, civility has just gotten tossed. It's almost like people think, well, this doesn't apply during election season. And you know what? There are Christians doing this stuff. There are Christians talking down to other people. So even if someone votes for someone you don't like, we still have to what? Love them. We still have to pray for them. And so Jesus says you can't do these things one without the other. It literally means it's suspended from this. So, so how do we apply this? I know you guys are saying, well, this is pretty easy. I've heard this since I was in school. The hard part of any of this is actually doing it. So what does it look like to love God with all of our being? What does it look like to love God with everything? That means we have to be willing to surrender everything. There's this idea called lordship. It's, it's saying that, Lord, you can have every part of my life. You can have this. And this is something that we have to settle ahead of time. This is something that we have to get into our heads because it's easy to say, yeah, God, you can have every part of my life until God starts nudging us to do something, right? Yeah, God, you can have my finances. Okay, well, I want you to give up your scooter's habit or your Starbucks habit, and I want you to give that to missions. Whoa, man, wait a minute. You're messing with coffee now. That's not cool, right? Or I want you to give up that soft drink, or I want you to give up going to the salon, or I want you to give up whatever it is. Then it's like, okay, God, you're meddling in things now you, you shouldn't be. I go to church. That should be enough. No. <laughs> he says, I want every part of your life. I want everything that you have. Let's look at um, Philippians chapter 3. It'll be up here on the screen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. This is Paul the Apostle writing this. Now, Paul was a guy who loved God his way. Then he experienced a relationship with Jesus and it changed him. Paul was way up. Paul was like this guy that was asking Jesus the story. Paul was a very important person. Paul thought he was doing everything right. And look at what he says. This is getting towards the end of his life. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, whatever things that I thought were really important, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And he says, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost what? All things. Say that with me. All things. Paul said, I gave up everything that was important to me. That I, and I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul said, I had all this stuff. I had all this position. I had people that asked me questions because I was super smart. I had all this stuff, and he says, I'm willing to lay all that down to know Jesus. So Paul said, I'm willing to give it all. He said, I consider garbage. (laughs) I'm willing to give up everything. That's called surrender or lordship. So here's the thing, guys. If we really want to love God with all of our... I'm not saying you have to sell everything and move to Antarctica. I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying you have to give up everything. But I'm saying whatever you have needs to be given to the Lord. Don Mastin, uh, who's one of our members, he's not here today, but he taught me a really big lesson a while back. He said, I had to learn to hold everything loosely. He said, if God asked me to give something up, I had to be willing to do it. And I've seen him do that several times. Just give things away. Because he said, it's not mine, it's his. And that's hard for me because, like some of you, I grew up without a lot of stuff. So stuff I had was pretty important to me, right? And this is something God's been having to tell me. You need to hold everything loosely because it's not yours anyway. And so, guys, we have to understand that we need to hold on to things loosely. We need to say, God, whatever I have is yours. So that's what it looks like to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. To love God with our families. We have to be willing to say, Lord, everything I have is yours. Whether it's my stuff whether it's my career, whether it's my plans for the future, whether it's my family, whatever it is, is yours. And that's where Paul finally got, he said, I consider it all garbage. And what does it mean to love our neighbor? What does it mean to love those who need help, who live near us? We have to be willing to reach out to people we may not like. There may be certain groups of people that we really don't care for. We have to be willing to reach out to them. There may be a political party you don't care for. God may put you at work right next to someone who believes differently than you do. You have to be willing to reach out to them, to love them, to serve them. All right? There was a pastor who came to a new congregation. He said, guys, I'm here to serve you whatever you need. Here's my cell phone number. You can call me any time of day or night. So one night, about 2 in the morning, he gets a phone call from a little old lady in the church. And he answers, and she says, Pastor, I can't sleep. I said, well, I can't either now. Well, what can I do to serve you? And she said, just preach for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had a guy in a congregation, not here, in another church I served at. Every Sunday he came to church and fell asleep. Every, and he didn't try to hide it. He just kind of sprawled out. And I was like, why do you even come? But I think he couldn't sleep until he heard us talk. You know, So it, it was a service. We were glad to do it. So we have to be willing to do these things. We have to be willing to reach out to people we may not like. We have to be willing to go to people we may not care for. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up today. And my challenge today is just to let God poke a little bit at your life. Say, Lord, is there anything in my life I need to be willing to give up? Is there anything in my life I need to be willing to let go of? Are there people I need to love that I have a hard time loving? So if you can, physically, would you stand this morning?
I know it's tough to pay attention. It's kind of dark outside. It feels like it should be nap time. And we're almost there. So, Father, I thank you this morning for your amazing love for us. I thank you for your word that penetrates deep into our hearts. And, Lord, I thank you for this challenge that you gave us today to love you with everything in our hearts, everything in our soul, everything in our mind, and to love others. And it sounds so easy, but it's so hard to put into practice. So, God, I pray that all around this room today you would speak to us I pray that you would challenge us today if if one of these things isn't present in our lives. Father, would you help us today? So I'm just going to ask all of you to to bow your heads and close your eyes and just shut yourself in with God this morning. Those of you watching at home, I want you to just maybe shut off music or anything else that's going on just for a couple minutes. I want you to just allow God to speak into your heart. And if there are any of you here today and you say, you know, Pastor X, I don't have a relationship with Christ like you're talking about. I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I've never started a relationship with him. And I want to do that today. I want to take that step. I want you to slip your hand up right where you're at. We just want to pray with you right where you are. So I'm going to ask all of us to say this prayer together. All of you watching at home, I'm going to ask you to say this prayer. And this is just talking to the Lord and just saying, I realize that I messed up and I need you. So all together, dear Jesus, Thank you so much for your incredible love for me. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made so I could be forgiven. And I admit that I've made mistakes. I've sinned, and I'm sorry for that. Please forgive me. Come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you with all of my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that Jesus came in and made you a brand new person. So now I'm just going to ask you right where you're at, is there one of these things you need to work on? Do you need to work on loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you need to work on loving your neighbor? If you do, we're just going to take a moment. We're just going to pray while they sing this last song. We're going to say, Jesus, help us today to love you with every part of our lives, to love others the way you want us to. Father, help us to do that today, to walk this thing out. Maybe there are areas of our life that we need to surrender. Help us to let those go. In Jesus' name, amen.